Please turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Last week we began our look at John's Gospel, kind of gave you an introduction and the things to expect from it, and so today we begin in earnest the study of John's Gospel from the beginning. And so today we'll be looking at John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 together as we look at Last week we talked about how the theme of John is life in Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God himself, which we'll see today from John's passage here. And he is the one who gives to all eternal life. He is the one who gives new life and life in God that we can live here on this earth. John 1, beginning in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father, as we now have the opportunity to look into your word over the next few minutes, we ask that you would open our hearts today, that you would speak to us that you would be our great and mighty God, that you would glorify yourself in the things that are said here today. And Lord, I ask that you would help me not to say anything that would distract from the work that you want to do in our lives today. May we say only those things here that exalt you and glorify you and make your word first and foremost. Lord, we pray that you would do your work today, have freedom in our hearts to show us our sin, to point us to the Savior, or if there's one who is struggling with their eternity today, would you show them that that eternity can be settled in you? Lord, for Christians that are struggling with sin, struggling with victory over their, in their lives over things that they're struggling with, or um, submitting in ways in, your, in, their, in their lives to you, would you do your work today to draw us closer to yourself? For this, Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, in one way or another, everything that we experience or everything that we have in this life gives testimony to its source. You know, just the the, the toy that you give to your kid and you pick it up and you turn it over, on the underside of that toy you're going to find some kind of manufacturer's name or logo or a country of origin. You're going to find the source from where it came. When you order a product online, there's a company that's associated with that product. And again, often you'll have an address or a place of manufacture, the origin from which it comes. Even the experiences that we have in life, they have sources. They have a place from which they come. If if you take a family vacation and maybe you go on a guided hike or you go stay in a motel or you go to a theme park or somewhere like that, there's someone somewhere who claims to be the source of that and the one who, who put it all together and the one that if something goes wrong you would speak to or if you want to give praise to. And our created universe is no different. As we look around at the world we live in, as we look at, at not just the creation of the, the world and the, and the system in which we live in and, and, the, and, the, and the things we enjoy and are awed by, but as we look around and see other people, they point us back to a source. They point us back to a creator. And here in the first few verses of John, John from the very beginning of his gospel introduces us to that source. 
he introduces us to Jesus Christ. He introduces us to the source of all things. The one who existed before anything else did. The one who created all things. The one who gives life and light to all who come to him is Jesus. And what John tells us in these few verses in John 1, 1 through 5, is that Jesus is God the creator and the only source of life and light. Everything that we enjoy, everything that we are, everything that, 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 that we see and observe had to come from somewhere. It has to come from God. It has to come from Jesus. It has to come from the eternal, always existent God of the universe. And John doesn't mince words and shows the reader from the very beginning that Jesus is God and Jesus is the one who gives us these things and therefore Jesus is the one who can be trusted with our eternity. So let's look today at just a few things that John teaches us here and all of these have to do today with who Jesus is. And first of all, John tells us in verses 1 and 2 that Jesus was pre-existent in eternity. John says, in the beginning was the Word. And so what John is showing us here is the eternal existence of Jesus Christ. Now, I I pointed you last week to the other Gospels that you find, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I I told you that often we refer to them as the synoptic Gospels that that, that show you something from the same perspective. And and, and while the synoptics introduce Jesus in the beginning of Jesus' incarnation with the account of his birth, John takes a very different route. And from the very beginning, John establishes the deity of Jesus Christ to show us that he's not just a man, but he is God in the flesh. And from verse 1 of what we call the prologue, which is the first 18 verses of chapter 1 of John, this is very true and this is John's approach. Because the deity of Jesus Christ is foundational to your faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ until you admit and confess and endorse the fact that he is God. Because if Jesus is not God, he has no authority over creation. If Jesus is not God, he has no right to say the things that he said while he was here on this earth. If Jesus is not God, he has no power over your sin. If Jesus is not God, he therefore could not die for your sin. And if Jesus is not God, there is no salvation. The deity of Jesus Christ is vital. The whole of the Christian faith hinges on this, that Jesus is the Son of God and God himself. And throughout the Gospels, we can see Jesus saying, doing, and receiving things that only God can say or do or receive, such as praise to himself. And this is all because Jesus is God. And and from the very beginning of John's Gospel, this very first phrase, we see evidence of this. John says that in the beginning, the word that is Jesus already existed. And when you look here at John chapter 1 and verse 1, and you read those three words, in the beginning, how many of you would admit that that draws your mind back to another passage somewhere in Scripture? You say, I've heard those words before somewhere. Nobody. Okay. All right. Well, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, you would read this, in 
the beginning. And if that's where your mind went this morning, you're just too tired to get your hand up, okay? Or it's a Baptist church, you don't want to raise your hand, okay? If that's where your mind went, that's exactly what John intended. He wants your mind to go back to the beginning of all things. At the beginning of everything you and I know, at the beginning of the creation of our world, our universe, and all that is in it, there was someone else. And that someone was Jesus. A someone is God. The phrasing here, and we're going to run into this a couple times today, but the phrasing here in Greek is really hard to translate into English. But, but maybe I can state it best this way. In the beginning, John is saying, the word was already in existence. He's not saying in the beginning the word came about, but he was already there. This phrase also indicates then that it was a continual existence. You see, that is the difference between a man-made God and the one true God. Because any man-made gods that we set up in our lives and we've seen throughout history, we ascribe some power to them, are, are just that. They're created and empowered by us, frail, limited human beings. But before there was anything, there was God. He existed from eternity past. And as human beings, this is probably where our minds kind of get blown out here right, a little bit because we get some concept of what it means to live forever. I mean, we, we, we can understand that, that something happens when we die, that, that this life isn't all there is. We will live somewhere forever. And as hard as that is for us to grasp because everything in our life has time and has a limit, it's even harder to grasp this. That there was no beginning to God. He has just always existed. You know, everything that we experience in our lives has a beginning. I mean, even people have a beginning, right? We celebrate that probably on your favorite day of the year, you know, your birthday, depending on you know where you are in life, and maybe your favorite day, or maybe a day you regret seeing every year, you know. But things have a manufactured date. Things have a, a, a time which they came to being, ideas. You know, even, even if we look around, you know, you look out here and you see the grass and the trees. I mean, even those have a date that they were planted or they began to grow. Or, but God has no beginning. He has always been and he will forever be. And here, the creator himself, we see, was not created. And I want us to dig in for just a minute and look at this word that John uses here when he, he talks about Jesus. Because he doesn't say in the beginning was the Son of God or was Jesus. But he says in the beginning was the Word. And if you look there, that, that's capitalized, right? It's, it's a specific title that he's using for Jesus Christ. And it's a Greek word. And that Greek word is logos. And this word is interesting because it has meaning to both Jews and to Greeks. To the Greek philosopher, the word logos carried the idea of some abstract principle of reason by which everything exists. So the logos, if you were Greek, is some creative force, not some knowable God. But from the logos, life and universe sprang forth. And, and, and so... When John writes, and the Greeks read this, there are undoubtedly those who, who realize that there is, there's far meaning. You know, he's, he's not talking about their idea of logos. He's talking about something far greater than that. 
But really, the, the stronger connection comes from the Jewish mind. Because the title that Jesus used, or that John used for Jesus, would bring forth images from the Jewish mind, that of the word of the Lord. You see, throughout Scripture, and John's readers would have been familiar uh, with, with mostly the Old Testament, though the New Testament was being written at the time that John wrote this, we see that God's word is the means by which his power and his revelation go forward. You see, the word of God is his wisdom and might. You could say it this way, when God speaks, things happen. We see that all throughout the Scripture. It was true at creation. We read this morning in Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. When you read the, the creation account, what is it that God uses to create all things except man? He uses his word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. God's word is used to make covenants with his people. In Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Even as God establishes with Abram his covenant to bring about a nation through the seed of Abraham, he uses his word to establish that covenant and to bring about that nation. His word is powerful. God uses his word to give his commandments to his people. In Exodus 24, 3, so Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgment and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. The word of the Lord has bearing on our lives. God's word also represents his presence. We read in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, then the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. When he says he will fulfill his word there, it means he will be in the presence of his people. God also used his word to communicate with his people and direct them. 1 Samuel 3.21, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Or in 2 Samuel 7.4, But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, The word of the Lord directs his servants. And then God also used his word to direct the writers of scripture as in Zephaniah 1.1 where he says the word of the Lord came to Zephaniah the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah in the days of Josiah the son of Ammon king of Judah. See here's the thing. God's word is not an abstract concept. What is God's word? It is the presence, power, and sovereignty of God. And that's what John says Jesus is. He is the Word. He is the incarnate Word of God. He is that, that creative, he is that presence and that power and that sovereignty of God in human form. He is God himself. He is the embodiment of all these things. And he is God's final and fulfilling Word to man. 
perhaps it was best said by the writers of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who is Jesus? He is the word of God. He is God himself. God's word brought about all things. And so Jesus is the word of God sent to earth to accomplish the will of God in the plan of redemption. And the word existed before anything else. And next we see not only is he preexistent in creation, uh, but, uh, or, or, or is, he, is he there to create all things, but he is also present with God. John goes on and says, And the word was with God. And in verse 2, he says that, that, that he was in the beginning with God. Verse 2 is simply just a reinstatement and reinforcement of what we find in verse 1. So, so let's unpack here a little bit of what John is saying. Because again, the English language really fails to help us capture what John is saying when he says the word was with God. The Greek phrase here, when he talks about how the word was with God, the best way to to really describe it is it talks about two personal beings who are face-to-face one another with one another existing in the closest possible fellowship and intelligent discourse. That is Jesus, the Son of God, in the presence of God the Father. They are together. They are engaging with one another. See, Jesus is not just in the presence of God. He is in intimate fellowship with God the Father. And this is what Jesus would have to come to earth, would have to leave to come to earth as the incarnate word. He would leave the splendor of his fellowship with the Father and take on condescension beyond degree to leave eternal intimate fellowship with God and come to earth. But that is exactly what Jesus did. He stepped from the throne of heaven He stepped from that intimate fellowship with God to be made in the likeness of men to offer redemption to man. John says that that he existed from eternity, that he existed in the presence of God, and this fellowship that Jesus had and his preexistence before all things naturally leads us to God's third, John's third truth about Jesus, that his identity is that he is God. Because it not only says, and the word was with God, he says what? And the word was God. There is only one God. Yet, he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We often refer to this as the Trinity. And, you know, try as you might, you and I will always struggle to picture the Trinity. I, I hate to even try to, to give, offer you any illustration for that. Because they will always fall short. But perhaps instead of thinking of it as addition, one plus one plus one, you think of it as multiplication. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One times one times one is one. He is three persons, but he is one God. They exist in three separate persons. They, they, they carry out what, the, 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 the actions of God, but there still is only one God. The Word is God's own self. 
He cannot be in the presence of God from eternity past enjoying such intimate fellowship if he was not God. And so perhaps the most foundational statement as John opens his gospel is this, that Jesus is God. He has been from eternity past and he will be so into eternity future. And as God, we see the actions of the word because Jesus was preexistent in eternity, but he is also the agent of creation. We read in verse 3, all things were made through him. See, Jesus is the uncreated creator. Everything we observe and that which we cannot observe was made by the word. He is the agent of creation. And when we read the account of creation in Genesis chapter 1, we see that all things except man were created by the word of God. Jesus is that incarnate word. He is that which created all things. And as God, he was present and active in that creation, bringing all into being. And that necessitates again that he is God. That which existed before creation, then, is necessarily uncreated. And only God eternal is uncreated, therefore further proving the deity of Jesus to us. And since he is uncreated, all things had to come through him. Paul writes in, first, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the creator. Jesus had no beginning, as we said. Jesus had no one who created him. He is over all things, and he came to earth. And his creation is all-encompassing. We see John continues in verse 3. And without him, nothing was made that was made. John reinforces here the magnitude of Jesus' act of creation, negatively restating the act of creation, that nothing can be made without him. And we sit back and we think about that. You know, as you, as you go out at night and observe the heavens... Have you ever been taken aback by the enormity of God's creation? That God made all things. And just in the past few weeks, this has come home again. I don't know if you've seen um, this that came out in the news, but there's a new telescope, the Webb Telescope. And they just have gotten the first pictures back from this, from this telescope. It's basically the better Hubble telescope is what it's going to be. And as these things begin to come back, which, by the way, if you read about it, these first images are just the test run. These aren't even what they really meant it to do. It's amazing all the things we've already seen. And, and when you look at that, when you look at these, these images, and you look at these pictures, and you look at these, these, these galaxies and these stars that are so far away will never make it, we're taken aback by the awesomeness of our Creator. By the enormity of the things that are there. And we are, as we are awed by the vastness of space and the creativity on display there, let us pull our minds back and look not just above, but look below. Because if, if we were to look below, we would be awed by another complex structure we cannot even see. If we turn from the telescope to the microscope, we'd be amazed by what we can observe. 
the deeper we go into things such as atoms, we begin to see how great and intricate the world really is. And that's not to mention the things that we observe on an everyday basis, such as the makeup of the animal kingdom, the intricate and delicate balance that is seen all around us in life. And it all does one thing. It demands a creator. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. The creation points to this every day, that there is someone who made it. And that creator is Jesus. Because he is God. So therefore, the creator became the creation. And as the creator, Jesus is the giver of all life. And that's what we see today, lastly, in this passage, that Jesus is not only preexistent in eternity, he is the word of God, he, he is the agent of creation, he is the origin of life. Verses 4 and 5, John says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. See, Jesus is the life giver, but he's, he's not merely the giver of life. John says, in him was life. See, Jesus is life itself. This is the point of it all. What is the point of, of Jesus? He came to the earth to give life and light to all men. And John, in a minute here, he he begins to equate life and light with one another. And and we see this this because it goes beyond physical life. John uses here a Greek word, zoe, which refers to spiritual life found in the self-existent God. He's not just talking about biological life, but life that is spiritual and is beyond what we have here. And it's only found in God, who is life himself. You see, everything in the creation is dependent. You and I are dependent beings. We're not just dependent on our food. We're dependent on our God who sustains us. The animals are dependent. The the, the vegetation is dependent. Even the stars and the skies and the things that, that go on are dependent on someone who holds it all together. But God is self existent and independent. The word derives life from within himself. And then he gives that life to others. And this is why the account of creation falls under such great attack in our world time after time after time. Because do not miss this fact. If we absolve ourselves of the act of creation... We absolve ourselves of a creator that we're responsible to. An attack on the creation is an attack on the creator. An attack on one who made us, or on the the act of us being made, or on, on the creation of all that we observe, is an attack on the one that we would be responsible to. Because those who have a creator are responsible to him, they're accountable. But try as we might, we cannot get away from this truth. God is the creator. And he does hold us accountable. Indeed, 
He has shed his life and light abroad in our lives. See, Jesus is life. And John tells us that Jesus is light. As God, Jesus is light in the darkness, the light of all. When John says here, that that word, that life, sorry, the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness, light here refers or represents all that God is. It represents his glory, his majesty, and his power. It represents his self-existence. It represents his creation. It represents his sustaining of all life. As one pastor put it, light is God's life manifest in Christ. All that God is, is represented in the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth as God incarnate, and he shone the light of God's truth through his very life. You know, we can look around, as we said in our creation, and we can learn that God is there and he is not silent. We see proof of our creator, but we have to understand something. The proof of creation is not enough to bring us to a relationship with God. Just knowing that God is there is not enough for us to come to him in saving faith. For that, what do we need? We need the word of God. We need Jesus. We need the light of God in our lives. And Jesus came as that light. And it tells us that that light shone in the darkness. And throughout scripture, this picture is seen over and over again that God is is light and sin is darkness. Jesus brings life, recreation, righteousness, and light while Satan brings death and destruction and sin and darkness. And when Jesus came into the world, he came to a sin-darkened place. As we undertake a study here of John, as you've read the gospel, if you've read the gospel before, you have seen that Satan and his forces relentlessly launch attacks on the incarnate word, yet it would be to no avail. John says here that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And again, that word comprehend would be better translated overcome. The forces of darkness know very well who Jesus is. And in his life on earth, they sought to oppose him at every turn. Demons attacked the creation and cried out against him. Sinful men railed on him and lied about him. And in one grand final act, they nailed him to a cross seeking to end him. But what does John say? John doesn't say the light shined in the darkness. No, what does he say? The light shines in the darkness. It is a present, active, ongoing thing. The darkness did not defeat him. And for that, we are thankful. And in that, there is hope. No matter how dark the world gets, the light still shines. No matter how lost in your sin you may be, the hope of the gospel is greater. No matter your struggles, no matter that which you cannot seem to get over or get rid of, 
the light of the gospel is held out to you. Your creator gave himself to give you eternal life. Eternal, unending, forever. He stepped from heaven's throne to bring light to all men. And he has surrounded you with the creation, shouting through that creation that he exists and he may be known. And he has revealed himself to you through his word. This is our God. The glorious word incarnate. This is Jesus. The source of all. This is who John writes to us about. This is the one that John walked with for those three years. This is the one that he's going to relate. thing, uh, Account after account. Seven miracles. The seven sayings. The I am sayings. the, 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 The discourses that Jesus gives. He's not just a man. He's not just some some being. He's not someone whom God imparted wisdom to. No, he is God. Jesus is God the creator and is our only source of life and light. He is the word of God. He is the creative power of all. He is the source of our life and the light of God. And he humbled himself enough to step from the eternal fellowship with the Father to come to earth to live and die for us. He is God, eternally existent, and he is calling to you. Your creator loves you and cares for you above any other part of the creation. And he longs to have a personal relationship with you. God is is not looking for people who will be religious. God is looking to have a relationship with you that brings you into eternal life. And what is your response to Jesus? Because this this is the long and short of it. The fact that Jesus is real and the fact that Jesus is God demands a response. There is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. We either accept him or reject him. And perhaps you have never come face to face with the fact that you have a creator. May I just tell you that you are not here by fate? You are not a nameless face. You are special to God. So much that he sent his son to die for you. And will you hear his voice today and come to him for salvation from your sin and find new life in him? If you've never done that, you can. You can know where you will spend eternity. You can know what it means to have a relationship with God. You can know true victory in this life. And for those who do know him, your God longs to continue to deepen your walk with himself every day. He wants to be your life, your breath, and to fill your life with his joy.
So what is it that keeps you from being close to him? What is it that keeps you from fully obeying your God? What is it you feel that you need to hold on to and that continues to hinder your relationship from fully developing and maturing with God? And I'll tell you this right now, you cannot have an unfulfilled relationship with God and not affect the other relationships that go on in your life. It happens every time. When, when our vertical relationship isn't right, our horizontal relationships will not be right either. And so as you sit and you evaluate the things that go on on this plane, may we look further in and ask our God, what is it we're struggling with? What is it that we will refuse to submit to him? What is it that he wants to do in our lives? Jesus is the source of everything, of our, of our world, of our lives, of new life, and of eternity itself. And it is to him we give the glory and the praise today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to hear your word today. Lord, this is no simple introduction of John to some historical account. No, this, this is much more than that. This is the declaration of the deity of Jesus. And therefore, we see the ramifications. And Lord, we ask that today you would help us to live in light of these things. Would you help us to see the light of the gospel shown through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Would you help us to see the hope that is available to us? Lord, I pray for one who hears this message today who does not know you as their Savior, who is wrestling with where they will spend eternity, who, who is unsure of what, where the answers are. Would you show them that the answers are found in you and you alone? Or would you give them the courage to speak to someone today? Lord, to the Christian who is longing evermore for a, a deeper relationship with you, but continues to put off obedience to you, or would you convict them in their heart? Would you spurn them to action of their faith? They would submit to you in all that they do. Or would you show them that there is no greater joy in life than a, a true and right relationship with you? We are so thankful for the light of Jesus Christ that though the darkness tried to overthrow it and overcome it, the light shines on. And we look forward to the end of all things when you will reign. When the light of, of God will usher in eternity and sin and the brokenness of this world will be gone so too will our opportunity to be right with you if we have not accepted you. Lord, we ask that you would use that in our hearts to spurn on the urgency of such a situation. We ask that you would receive the rest of the, this day to your honor and your glory. Be with us as we wrap up Vacation Bible School tonight with the kids, Sharon 
things that they learned this week, where we ask that, that would be a blessing to their hearts and encouragement to their parents. Where we ask that you bring us back together to worship you this evening. In your name we pray. Amen.